All right, it's good to be back, guys. If, if we haven't met, my name's Joe. Uh, I work at CSF. I'm the associate campus minister. Uh, if it's your first time, which I do see a lot of new faces, so welcome to you guys who are new. Um, we're so glad that you're here, and we would love to help you get deeper connected in all of the things that Ben was talking about, all the events. You should definitely come to a retreat. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah, so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking in depth about salvation and sanctification, which are two really, really important things about Christianity. Uh, I would point you back to those sermons. They're on Spotify, Apple Music Podcasts, all of that. If you want to listen back, um, yeah, just look up Christian Student Fellowship at IU, and they should be there. So uh, as we were planning the semester, me and Ben, um, what felt really natural was to go from talking about salvation and sanctification uh, into the book of James, which is, there you go. That's the... That's the little title screen. Um, yeah, and you'll hear more about that in a minute, but uh, I like to start with a lot of prayer. So I'm gonna ask you guys if you would just take a second, pray silently that God would speak through me just like Ben was saying, um, and then after you pray, I will bring us back with a group prayer. So you go ahead and do that, and then I'll pray for us, and then we'll get started. Dear Jesus, we ask that you would be uh, in our midst tonight, um, yeah, moving through the words that you'll speak through me. Uh, God, I ask that they would uh, convict people that they need to convict and that your word would be uh, living and active through uh, my words tonight. Uh, yeah, God, it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Okay, so let's start by reading the first verse of the first chapter of James. That's where you normally start, right? So, uh, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. So most books in the New Testament uh, that are letters start like this. Um, for the note takers, uh, which I'm a note taker, so I write like a note taker, uh, I got three points. I love three points. That's, get used to that whenever I'm speaking. Uh, just like we did with Jonah, I've got a what question, a who question, and a why question. All right, so I'm going to start with what. What is this book? Well, it's not really a book. It's a letter. Um, but we'll get back to that. Uh, first, I like to do just a really brief recap of the entire Bible so that we all know where we're coming from. We're not going in blind uh, and we understand where we are in the larger story of Scripture. So if you'll go with me on this probably more than 30-second recap, uh, we're going to get some context. So beginning of the Bible, God creates the universe, humanity, calls it good. Uh, he gives human humans the unique privilege of ruling and cultivating creation. But on page two, literally chapter three of the Bible, uh, humans decide that they want to mess it up. They want to live outside God's rule and his design for creation. And so sin is introduced to the world, and all of a sudden, we don't live with God like this anymore. There's a gap. There's a gap between us. And to speak in sweeping, broad statements, the rest of the Old Testament is a big story of God's people, the Israelites, attempting to make themselves right with God. Um, and then they just fail over and over again because they're humans. But God doesn't leave them where they're at. He promises them a Messiah will come to bridge the gap between humans and God again. And so the New Testament starts with that promise coming to fruition in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the story of Jesus' life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus was that Messiah, that hero who took the punishment for sin and as a result has closed the gap between those who believe in him and God. So because of Jesus, Christianity was born and it spread like wildfire through the ancient world. Uh, you can read that in the book of Acts, uh, how the early church was born. The people leading that movement would often write letters back to churches they had planted. And so that's where James falls. He, he's trying to encourage believers that are existing in maybe some tough circumstances that they're living in. 
the last Bible, the last book of the Bible is called Revelation, and it's a vision of how God will one day unite creation again with himself through Jesus in the second coming. You can read it. Revelation is crazy. Anyway, so uh, the book of James falls in the letters section of the Bible. Uh, it's based on the first verse of the letter. James was writing to an unspecified group of early Christians most likely, uh, just based on his verbiage and the words he used, uh, they were Jews who had put their faith in Jesus. His goal was to model what a servant of Jesus looked like and to encourage and challenge his readers to be this kind of people, right? We'll get into the specifics of James through the series, but it's my hope that it will do the same for us. It'll show us what a faithful follower of Jesus will look like, and it'll challenge us to live out our faith. And believe me, James is very convicting, right? If you've ever read it, he does not pull his punches at all. Uh, I would encourage you, if you haven't, read the whole thing in your own time, uh, maybe a couple times while we're reading through this together. Um, He will refer to his readers, in five chapters, he'll refer to his readers as brothers and sisters, which is like very dear and familial, you know? Uh, And also adulteresses, which is like super not uh, familial and dear. Like I I wouldn't call my friends that, right? Um, Truly, This is the kind of person that we all know we need in our lives. Someone who will tell you the truth regardless of how it'll make you feel for your own good. Let's say you go to the doctor, right, and they find through testing that you have some terminal illness, but with the right uh, treatment, your life could be saved. But your doctor doesn't want you to worry, so he doesn't tell you what's wrong with you. We would all look at that doctor and probably sue him for malpractice, right? Like, that would be awful. Uh, In the same way, If we haven't believed in Jesus, right, and we haven't been restored by his spirit, we are spiritually dead. That's what scripture tells us. And in need, we are in need of immediate resuscitation. Even as believers, right, people who have accepted Jesus, we still sometimes choose to indulge in activities and behaviors that bring about spiritual death. James will tell us later on that when we are enticed by temptation, sin is born, and when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Obviously, physical death is the fate at the end of life, right? But spiritual death is what Jesus was much more concerned about, and it's what James is concerned about, too. We want a doctor who will diagnose us faithfully, and then with honesty and love, tell us what is wrong with us and what we need to do about it. This is what Jesus did, and this is what James does in his letter. He diagnoses our spiritual health and calls us to partake in certain activities and put to death certain activities in order that we may live in the identity that God has given us through Christ. So what is this book? Like that slide said, right? It's a short letter written to early Christians in order to show them what faith in action looks like and to challenge, equip, and encourage them to live that out um, in their daily lives. So we talked about that's what the book is. Let's talk about who James is as a person, right? As with anything from the Bible, and really anything in general, there's lots of different opinions, so I would be happy to loan you the the commentaries I've been reading, but the most popular and well-supported opinion here is that James, who wrote the letter of James, is the same James talked about in Acts, Galatians, and 1 Corinthians. Uh, the brother of Jesus. And that might be like the biggest surprise of the night. Like Jesus had brothers? Yeah, he did. Uh, and scripture actually tells us that they, they thought he was crazy. Uh, we're gonna read a couple verses here. Um, the first is from Mark 3, 20 and 21. It says, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said he is out of his mind. <laughs> That's awkward. All right. Um, And then 
John 7, the next verse, I want to pull from. It says, After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of the tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. So in these two passages, we see Jesus' family both try to hold him back from teaching the crowds because they thought he was insane. And we see, we can almost sense the sarcasm in their voices when they push him towards Jerusalem and what would be his ultimate death. We might look at Jesus' family and judge them, right? Like, how could you not believe that he's the Messiah. Did you ever wonder why he didn't look like your dad, like virgin birth and all that? You know, like, it's crazy, right? Uh, But imagine, imagine if your older brother claimed to be the messianic king that had been promised to your people for thousands of years. And if that doesn't ring a bell, uh, imagine your older brother claimed to be like Superman or something, you know? Like, if my brother was like, yeah, that guy in the sky that flies around with an S on his chest, that's me, actually. I'd be like handing him a drug test. I'd be like, what is the matter with you, you know? Um, So this we would all react like this. If, if we were in James's position, I think most, if not all of us, would react just like James and his family did. And yet, if we continue to follow James through the story of the New Testament, we see him go through a radical change in Galatians and Acts. And I won't pull those specific verses, um, but if you want, read them in your spare time. For the sake of time, I'm gonna summarize them. Uh, it's clear through these verses, again, it's Galatians 2, Acts 12 and 15. Uh, It's clear through these verses that James becomes a prominent leader in the early church. And this is crazy, right? For all intents and purposes, James should be ashamed. He was a doubter of Jesus, along with his whole family. His letter should be called Shames, and we should look at him as a cautionary tale. That was a bad pun, but I appreciate the faint giggling. Um, He should be a humiliating example of how we should all trust Jesus more, right? But he's not. He's not ashamed. Instead of being ashamed, James is leading the movement of the early church. Paul referred to him in Galatians as a pillar, right? James had a drastic change and went from a skeptic to a servant. How? How did that happen? What happened for him to change his mind so drastically? I think the answer lies in 1 Corinthians 15, which uh, is where the Apostle Paul says this. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as one who was abnormally born. We see here that James is among the list of people that Jesus personally visited after he was raised from the dead. Isn't that awesome? Right, Jesus made it a point to go and talk with his skeptical little brother James. And whatever they talked about, James took it to heart because he became a leader at the forefront and the birth of, and the radical growth of the early Christian church. Jesus showed compassion and grace to his own brother by showing up with the literal holes in his hands and his feet from the crucifixion. And let me tell you, whatever conversations that you're having about hypothetical messiahship and existentialism and whether or not someone is God or not, 
kind of goes out the window when they, when they show up after they've been killed with a beating heart and aren't trying to like eat your brains or anything, right? And then they're like having a, like a nice conversation. Again, in the very first verse of James, it says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he could have said, hey everybody, James here, you should listen to me because Jesus was my older brother, you know? But he doesn't say that. He humbly states that not only is he a servant of God, which that was a common thing to say about people like David or Moses in the Old Testament, but he says the same about his, his brother. Where arrogance or shame could have festered, James instead chose to be humble and confident because of his, because of his encounter with the risen Jesus. Something was radically changed in him, and it's the same thing that will change inside us if and when we have the same encounter with Jesus. And this actually nicely brings me to my final point, which is why, right? Why are we studying this book? There's a typo there. It was supposed to say we, but that's my fault. So why are, why are studying this book? Why are, why are studying this book? I don't know. <clears throat> well, let me tell you. Um, the main point here, and this is what I want you to walk away with. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Your identity determines your activity. Your identity determines your activity. Okay? The reason we wanted to study this book together for the next, whatever, 12-ish weeks, I don't know how much is left, but the reason is because we, as we read this together, James will encourage us and challenge us as believers to let our identity as Christians show through our activity. In other words, James will encourage us by the fact that who we are fundamentally affects what we do. Who we are affects what we do. About 10 years ago, this is the best example I could think of. About 10 years ago, my family adopted my youngest sister. And for almost 10 years, her identity has been changed fundamentally because her last name is now the same as mine, right? She could have grown up anywhere. She could have been around anyone. She could have learned anything. But because she was brought into our family, she now talks just like me and my brothers. It's the sweetest thing ever. Her, her mannerisms are like my parents. And, and now she wants to go to Purdue like her older sister, which we're working on. But yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know, we're working on that one. But she, my point is she could have been anything. But because her identity was fundamentally changed, her activities have been fundamentally, fundamentally changed. And this is the same for us, right? When we believe in Jesus and we are counted righteous through his sacrifice, we are adopted into the family of God. Paul says it this way. This is one piece of an argument he's making, so go read the full thing, but I grabbed it because it's a great example. He says, after all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree. So don't miss the example, right? He's just saying, you were not a part of God's family, and God brought you into his family by his grace. Paul's speaking to Gentile Christians and how they have been grafted into God's family based on God's kindness, not their own works. And as a result of this fundamental identity change, our activity should change as well. So I wanna clarify something really quick. Um, so follow me here. Like much of the New Testament, James was written to Messianic Jews, so Jews who had accepted Christ, and Gentile Christians, not non-believers. And so in this series, we will do the same thing, right? We want to take this semester and talk specifically to the believers in the room, those who would say that they are Christians. 
Now, if you're in here and you're not a believer, don't mishear me because I love the fact that you're here and we want you to come back and bring a friend. Um, This will actually be a great opportunity for you to see what Christianity is like behind the curtain, right? Kind of like if you ever went to like a friend's house as a kid and they like, your friend got in trouble and then their parents came and like disciplined them and you were just kind of there watching the whole thing happen. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it'll be like that, right? Like, as an unbeliever, you'll be able to see how God disciplines his kids and, and calls them to act in this world. And so even if you don't feel like the things we talk about specifically apply to you, I hope you can learn something about Jesus every week that you didn't know before. So, okay, with that out of the way, uh, for you who, are, who would say you're a Christian in here tonight, again, what I want you to walk away with is that your identity determines your activity. Your identity determines your activity. Who you are determines what you do. And the world wants to sell you the opposite, right? This campus will sell you the opposite. They'll, you know, people will say, oh, you want to make this much money after college? Well, you know, you got to take this class. You got to meet these people. You got to be a part of this club. You got to get this GPA. And then maybe, maybe you'll make enough money to feel secure after college. Or, oh, you want to fit in? You want to be popular, well-liked, whatever? Well, you got to go to this party. You got to hang out with these people. You got to wear these clothes, drink this drink, say these things. And then maybe people will like you. Or, you know, you want to be seen as smart? Well, again, you got to take this many credit hours. you got to meet this staff member. you got to go to grad school here and push for an internship there. And, and then maybe people will start to see you as intelligent. The world wants to say, if you do the right things, you can change who you are. But it's, God says the opposite. God says, I have made you in a certain way, and therefore your activities should follow. If we are in Christ... Why are we striving to be secure in money or worldly things in general when God has offered us security right now? If you're in Christ and you believe in him, he offers you that right now. Why are we striving to be perceived in a certain way when God offers us love and acceptance right now as we are? It's clear throughout scripture that God wants his kids, those who believe in Jesus, to know that God offers you the truest form of love that this broken world can only imitate. When God changes your, act- your identity, your activity can and should change as a result. Now, um, before we close, I just I want to give a few more things. Uh, as we walk through the book of James together, you're probably going to notice it's very practical, right? He will, he will attack certain behaviors and say, why are you doing this? And it's really convicting, and I, I am ready to be convicted, and I'm sure you will be too. Um, but speaking from experience, it is going to be a really easy temptation to do one of two things, right? And uh, there they are. So works righteousness and self-righteousness, and I'll get into that. But first, the temptation might be, you know, I'm going to add all these things that, James, that he talks about to my, like, list of how to be a good person things, you know? And I'm going to try to justify myself before God based on what I can do. Or you might look at what James says and then immediately start harshly judging other people for not doing what he says. And I want to be crystal clear, both works righteousness and self-righteousness are not in God's design for us as Christians. First, God's gift of salvation is a gift, right? We cannot earn it based on what we do to get right with God. And to think any, anything otherwise is ignorant and arrogant. It just is. And I've been there, and God has broken my arrogance uh, in half. <laughs> and it was, it was difficult, but I, I'm glad it happened. 
James will challenge you that your works should be a result of your faith, not the other way around. Right? We're not working for salvation. We're working from salvation. We're not working to be saved. We're working because we are saved. We have been saved. Second, right, God has not called us to judge others before we have examined ourselves. Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount when he says this in Matthew 7. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Furthermore, James will tell us later, uh, later on in the book that God opposes the proud but shows grace to the humble. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be someone that God opposes. <laughs> I, don't want to be, I don't want this to be a ministry full of people that God opposes. I want us to be humble before God's word. It'll be difficult, but if we can take James at his word and apply the wisdom of this little letter to our lives without the delusions of self-righteousness or works righteousness, I think we will all learn so much and be challenged and convicted in the best ways. So to close, I'm gonna share uh, something that Ben Stewart said while he was preaching on this book. I love Ben Stewart. I'm probably gonna quote him every time I'm up here, so get used to that too. Um, he said, God is not interested in tying caterpillars to kites which is a beautiful example, right? Because think about it. There's two ways to make a caterpillar fly. One is to force it to ascend using external forces, right? Like a kite or a balloon or something. I don't know, whatever fits your fancy. Um, and the other is to let it go through deep internal change, which results in the natural ability to fly. Oftentimes, I think we look at the book of James and a lot of the Bible, to be honest, through that first lens, right? We have to make ourselves right with God through our work. That's what we think. But let me say clearly, God is not interested in behavior change or behavior modification. He's just not. He wants us to be deeply changed internally by the truth of the gospel. And then by extension, our behavior should naturally follow. Jesus said this while talking to a group of people that accused him of being an agent of the devil. So there's a little bit of a punchiness in there. It's, it's directed at, at those people. You'll, you'll see. So he says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. There's that punchiness. Uh, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. How does an apple tree produce apples? It's a stupid question, right? But think about it, right? An apple tree isn't like sitting there like, oh, okay, I gotta make apples on the, you know, like I gotta, no, it's like, if it's an authentic apple tree, it just happens. It just naturally, there's just apples that just, you know, are created. It's awesome. And then we have apple juice. It's, it's wonderful. But my point is, without forcing itself, a true apple tree produces apples. When we identify with Jesus, he sends his spirit on us, and we become a good tree, right, from the inside out. Not based on our righteousness, but based on his. Um, so after Ben talked about sanctification for the last two weeks, again, we felt like it was really natural uh, to do James. And so 
Like I said, James will challenge us with the fact that our activity should look different because our identity looks different. So James doubted his older brother was the Messiah until he died on a cross and rose from the dead. Maybe you've doubted that too, right? Uh, In fact, we've all been there before. Paul tells us in Ephesians that we were dead in our transgressions and sins. And we used to live under the authority of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that is the devil. Um, But he goes on to say that because of God's great love for us, he made us alive with Christ. And when we believe in the saving work of Jesus, we are transformed from a state of decay and death and into a state of abundance and life. And as we continue to behold Jesus Christ as the Son of as the Son of God who has completely wiped away our debt by taking it upon himself, we are then freed up to follow him well and be a light in this world through our actions. So, band, I'm going to invite you up. Um, If you know and profess Jesus as your Savior, I'm super excited to walk with you through the book of James as it convicts all of us uh, to live like we know Jesus. Uh, I hope that you enjoy hearing the intricacies of how Christians are called to act and live in this world if you're not a Christian. Um, If you want to know more about Jesus and what following him looks like, or you have any questions about anything I said, please talk to me afterwards. Um, Yeah, and I would love to talk to you. So with that, I'm going to pray, and then our band will worship.